You are now tuned in to the journey. You walk with me, I walk with you. Together we face life. Hand in hand, side by side. With Jesus, the mastermind. It takes faith, it takes a step to finish a thousand miles. But together, we're in this, and this is called the journey. What's up, everybody? Hope all is well, and welcome back to The Journey with your host, Karen Sion. We thank God for a new week and a new month, guys. Happy new month. God has been good. He saw us through for five months of the year, and we are in the sixth month of the year. God has been so faithful, and I know that we are grateful to God for seeing a new month. 2020 started off in a very weird way, but I believe that whatever the Lord has promised in this year will surely, surely come to pass by faith. Today is June 2nd and it's the 20th episode of The Journey. We thank God so much for bringing us this far in our journey, no pun intended. Last week, we ended our series on mental health awareness with the episode Scars of the Past. There, I shared a lot of things that affected my mental health and how God brought me through. We also would like to thank Deacon Sam Anderson again for being our case study for the month and for sharing his journey. Today's episode is slightly different. It will be shorter than most other episodes we've had. Once again, there is no guest. It's just me, and I do not want to waste your time. However, our nation is hurting. The environment is messed up, and we are the journey. We just want to remind our listeners that where things are hopeless, our hope is in Christ. If you've been tuning into this show, welcome back. And we thank you so much for sticking with us all the way through 20 episodes. That's a milestone guys. That's a big milestone in and of itself. 20 episodes, 19 weeks, five months, and so many guests and countless nuggets of wisdom. God bless you all so much. But if this is your first time tuning into The Journey, welcome. Welcome to The Journey Podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about the show. So The Journey is a Christ-based, Bible-based podcast that focuses on anything and everything that has to do with our lives in this generation, such as education, relationships, health, career choices, but most importantly, how all of these things can be and will be better if and when we have Jesus in the center. I know sometimes in life, we tend to feel that God doesn't care about some of the things we go through, but guys, God cares so much about all of them. New episodes drop weekly on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribe, rate, review, follow, and favorite the podcast on the various streaming platforms so you can be notified when new episodes drop. Get ready for our birthday segment, Birthday Best. This week, we had a few birthdays. Fun fact about my family, the majority of us were born in May. So May is just a... Why do you guys think I love May so much? (laughs) So the last of the May birthdays were my cousin, Brian, affectionately called Uncle Gaga. Happy birthday. My nephew, Eliezer Nyamision, who just turned six. Guys, I don't know where the time flies, but he's my fourth baby. 
Um, my sister, friend, and mommy, Mrs. Esther Ejapon, happy birthday to you. My father, my blood, blood father, like blood, blood, blood father, <laughs> apostle retired, John K. Sion Sr. He is, he's my everything, guys. You know, if you, you guys know, I don't know if you guys know that that well, but I'm not a daddy's girl and I'm not a mommy's girl. I feel like I'm a parent's girl, but my father is just, he's my everything. He holds a special place in my heart and I thank God so much for you, daddy. Daddy, I know you're listening and I love you so much. Happy belated birthday. My nephew, um, yesterday was his birthday, Elias Kefamante. He's my fifth nephew. He came after Eliezer and he just turned five. Happy birthday to you, my baby. Um, Linda, Linda Akanjo, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm so sorry, but happy birthday to you, her and Beverly Dodu, also known as Irama. They share a birthday with Elias, my nephew. Their birthday was yesterday. God bless you both so much and everybody else we cannot mention. Happy belated birthday to you all. God bless you all. And we pray for long life, good health and prosperity in Jesus name. Amen. Let us know if your birthday's in June and when an episode airs the week after your birthday, we're going to shout you out. Today's episode, as I stated, will be different than usual. With regards to everything that's going on, it's kind of easy to lose hope and wonder what God is doing, if he's silent, and if he doesn't even see what's going on. But God sees, he knows, and understands all. And in his time, he makes all things beautiful. So 2020 kind of started off weird. And I was talking to my cousin on Sunday, shout out to you, Eva. And she was like, dang, Karen, everything sort of went downhill in 2020 as soon as Kobe Bryant died. And like, at the moment, I was just like, wow, that is so true. But like in January, Kobe died. And then all of a sudden, February, we hear that Trump is about to go bomb some country, some country's prime minister, somebody died, and they were about to wage war. Shortly afterwards, COVID-19 came into the system and the whole world pretty much shut down. And as believers, we know that in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus foretells that in the last days, and I quote verses 6 through 14, that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed because such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes and in various places. And all of these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So reading this scripture, I see that the hope in the scripture is in the verse 13, that the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. And standing firm means not swaying, not being uprooted, being unwavering in our faith. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing what the word of God, the word of God builds our faith. And when we are rooted in the word of God, no form of wind, storm, thunder, pestilence, or any issues of life can, can uproot us. Thoughts of doubt will arise. Why? Because we're human. However, how we choose to respond to the thoughts will determine whether we have wavered or whether we are still rooted. 
So as we all know, there are things going on in this world that are horrific, like they're terrible, just downright evil. Last week, exactly on May 25th, 2020, a man named George Floyd lost his life to police brutality. And since then, the United States has gone into a state of chaos. Subsequently, there have been riots, protests, and and violence. And when my team and I were discussing the situation and how the journey would address this, I said something to them that for me, there's a thin line between supporting a movement and activism. I'm not an activist and I really don't have the the willpower or the heart to be one. But for me, seeing George Floyd's death on camera broke my heart and I've never, ever been vocal about things like this. I remember when I saw or saw the report about Botham Jean being killed by Amber Geiger. That that hurt me, but I was never vocal vocal about it. But honestly, seeing this, seeing somebody's life come out of their body on camera really caught me off guard. So I was having a conversation with a sister of mine who's a social worker, and she made some very, very good points. And I have another sister who is here with me virtually. They're on phone, so you're gonna hear them. You're gonna hear from their, them shortly. She's also she's a teacher, and she they live in a very interesting part of New Jersey. <laughs> the shade. <laughs> Look at her face. <laughs> so I have them here on on WhatsApp call. We were having uh, we're about to have a conversation about everything that's going on because I really believe that they have valid viewpoints and perspectives about everything that's going on. And one has been on the show before, Barbara Hyde has been on the show, and we're introducing my sister, Leonie Hondode. Did I say that right? No, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) How do you pronounce your name? Hondode. Hondode. How did I say Hondode? I usually say Hondode, to be honest with you. I say Hondode in my class, but it's fine. Okay. All right, so welcome to the Journey Podcast. Hello, sisters. Hi, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. So um, I'm just going to ask you guys a few questions because everything... Wait, look, I just have something that said, you said we live in an interesting part of the journey. <laughs> I just want to know what makes it so interesting. Um, for me, where you guys live reminds me of the Bronx. You know, because it's it's more city than suburb. I live in the suburbs, technically. Here, here where I live. <laughs> so that's not the point. I live yeah, by what? Suburbs. I live by Mr. Subs. So that's not the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like coded language. Like coded language. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? Oh my gosh! So. Urban. Yes, that's thank you. Thank you, Leo. I think that's the right way to say it. Leo <laughs> Barbara's face. Sorry, guys, you can't see Barbara's face. Um, <laughs> but I invited you guys on to kind of share your perspectives about everything that's going on in our society today. I know that, like I said, I'm not, I've never been vocal about things like this. And what happened last week really broke my heart and really caused me to really think because all three of us were dark-skinned and it looks like people of color are being singled out and are being killed. This modern day lynching going on pretty much by police officers. And I was even sharing with Barbara before Leonie came on to the call that 
it's I get anxious when I see a cop. You know, and when I see a cop that is not my my skin color, I get anxious. Even if I'm not doing something wrong, which most likely I'm not doing something wrong because I drive very carefully. <laughs> but um, I still get anxious when I see a cop. And I always pray that I never get pulled over by a cop. And she made a comment that it's so sad that cops are supposed to be law enforcers. They're supposed to be people that when we see them, we feel safe again. But we don't now with everything that's going on, everything that's being televised, everything that's being reported, we're not safe. We don't feel safe when police officers are around. So I just want to ask you guys a question, starting with how do you feel about everything, everything that's going on? Leo? <laughs> Social worker, I wanted to hear a social work perspective. Okay. Oh, um, I'm I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I think I've cried. Not, let me stop saying that I think because I'm sure. Um, I've cried a couple times. I remember watching the um, Ahmad Aubrey's case. I'm on TV, and I remember. I think I saw it on a Friday, and I remember I woke up like really early, and I I couldn't stop crying because. I was like, wow, this is someone that just got up, you know, and just said, I'm going jogging and lost his life. So I'm hurt because Ahmad Arbi can be my brother. Mm. He can be my husband. He can be my son. You know, so for me to, um, you know, to see that and see what happened, it was just really, really frustrating. I was frustrated. I was sad and I was angry. And with the Floyd case, that I feel like that even pushed me to the edge because mm. these are police officers that are supposed to protect us. They're supposed to protect us. They're supposed to protect us from harm's way. And these are the same people that are just killing us. Hmm. And, you know, these situations, we don't speak about. And I'm just speaking as far as Af I'm African. So as Africans, we think that these things won't happen to us because we're African. We're not American. But when a white person sees you, they don't see African. Or they don't see American. They see black. So that's what your skin color is. Right. So I'm very frustrated and I'm angry and I'm sad because this can happen to any of us. Hmm. So that's how I feel about it. Wow. Yeah, just to, um, I guess, build off of what Barbara is saying. I agree. I'm more disheartened than angry. Although I understand the anger of the majority at large, right. meaning like the black the black community at large, even mm -hmm. the white community or the minority communities, because to witness like a senseless murder um, at the hands of trusted officials, it's it's hard to watch, and it's hard to watch repeatedly. And I think that it creates like a secondary trauma in us that we don't necessarily always get a chance to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, to witness that and then be forced to really, you know, go to our job places and act like we're okay. Right. But I'm disheartened more so because I feel like it's a broken system that we live in mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily have the answer to fix systematic racism, which right. is what we are facing. Mm. Wow. And for the listeners that don't know what systematic racism is, can you guys define that for us? Because to be honest, I don't know what that is either. Um, in layman's terms, I would just define it as racism that is embedded in 
all of our systems in our in our in our in our country. So, mm-hmm. for example, the police system, the police force is a system. Right. Um. Our our economic system, our school system, our food and drug administration system. Okay. Um. Our social service system. So, a lot of the governmental programs and systems that are put in place are embedded with racism to disproportionately um, disadvantage minorities, mm. um, particularly the Black community. Right. Right. So we realized that after George passed away, or let me not even say that because that sounds nice. After George was murdered, we see that a lot of people have gone out of their homes to begin rioting and protesting. And I see that I don't have a problem with protesting, but I do see that a lot of people are taking advantage of this situation and are satisfying their own evil desires or own their evil interests. They're looting and stealing from restaurants and stores, Gucci, Van, all these places. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with what is going on. But when it comes to protesting as believers, what do you think we should be doing? (sighs) that was a very heavy sigh (laughs) I mean honestly you know and going back to what the bible says you know we are supposed to live peaceful among each other Mm -hmm. that's what the bible urges us to do Mm -hmm. that's what God urges us to do but I always say this it's so easy to quote the bible when the situation is not at your front step well, it's not, your, it's not at your doorstep. Right. So, yeah, I can sit here and tell you, God said, love your neighbor. God said, do this, and God said, do that. But unless someone that you love is affected by this, like, if God forbid if something like that happens to someone in my family, this is what God is saying, but right now, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> because I'm hurting. And that's, and you know, I love God, you know, I'm a Christian, but that's just being real. Right. It's like, what do we, what can we do? Like, this is what God is telling us to do. But how, how do you feel? Like, looking at us, we are being hunted every single day. Like, they're killing us. Hmm. And you're telling me, like, I'm supposed to pray. Yeah, I get it. I do that. But I need another solution to this. I don't know. I don't know. And that's just me being real. Right. And I don't want to sit up here and quote the Bible because I'm, I'm sad. Right, right. So maybe Leonie can... She thinks more rational than me. I'm very emotional right now. <laughs> so maybe she, she can give a different perspective. I think that's so interesting because I was going to say that I think A is to take our emotions out of this, mm. which is really hard because it, it affects us emotionally. Right, yeah. We see our brothers or who could be our brothers and sisters being murdered. And so it, it, it creates a very emotional, visceral response, especially mm-hmm. when it's repeated daily, 24 Seven on the news and throughout the media, like right. you can't get away from it. Um, but I, I believe uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said that riots are the voice of the unheard. Yes, yeah. And so I, 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 I say that to say that I understand that people are rioting, and I in no way or shape form believe that you should be going out there looting, stealing, rioting, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. However, I believe that the riots are a symptom of a bigger problem. Mm. Um, and, and it's like um. I'm thinking, I guess, as a teacher, when, when I don't believe that there are any bad children. Mm-hmm. I believe that when kids are, are, are angry or are acting out, it's usually because there's a deeper problem there. Yeah. And the riots are just a symptom of a 
deeper problem. As far as what we can do, I believe that we have to exercise our economic power. I believe that um, part of the reason that, you know, we're in this position is because we don't own anything. Mm. And so a lot of the times people don't respect us. Like I'm saying, like as us as, as, a, as a group. Like, as Black people, we don't own anything for the most part. Mm-hmm. We don't have businesses. We don't have any political power, economic power. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't equate to social power. Mm-hmm. So I think one is if you're a registered voter, get out there and vote. Like, local elections matter. Voting for your local chairman, your local uh, head of the Board of Education, your, your policemen, those things matter a lot. Um, a lot of times people only come out for national elections, but... To be honest, those only affect you on a macro level, but mm-hmm. on a micro level or your everyday level, it's those local elections that matter. So get out there and vote and build a business, support black Christian businesses. Yes. Mm. Yes. Support black owned businesses. We have a lot. Yeah. Wow. That's actually, I, I never really thought about that because I feel like I with everything that's going on, you would think that the, the next step with everything that's going on is to also riot, you know, go out there and let your voice be heard. But there's subtle things that we can do to really cause a, a real change. I was sharing with Barbara that I was watching, I don't know if you've seen this Instagram page, Um, this guy, what's his name? Sean King. And like, I see his page you know, often, often, like I see him advocating for a lot of, you know, weird cases. And I really admire that about him. And I was on his page yesterday um, after church, just like a whole hour, maybe an hour and a half, just so upset seeing all these riots and these protests, people being shot in the face with rubber bullets, people being tasered. I saw a couple, a black couple in their car Apparently, there was a curfew at 9 p.m., and they didn't know about it. They were out in their car at 9.13 p.m. The police broke their windows, tasered them, pepper sprayed them, and arrested them just because they they weren't rioting, they weren't protesting, they weren't doing anything. They were just driving home. You know, so to see all of this, to see everything that's going on after this man's unfortunate death, it really breaks my heart, and we just want to use this platform, I would say, the Journey's platform to kind of bring awareness to situations like this. As you're saying, racism is still prevalent in our society. Just because we were emancipated, just because there's no longer segregation or the way that whites were in the front of the bus and blacks were in the back of the bus, the way that black people had to drink from one certain water fountain and white people had to drink from a different water fountain. It's gone now. But as you're seeing in with systematic racism, which I just learned today pretty much, it's still prevalent in our society. Can I just say, um, not to cut you off, but I, I just want to say like that whole like um, whites being in the front of the bus, blacks being in the back of the bus. I mm-hmm. think when you like a paradigm shift, like a mind shift, mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of like trying to knock down the door and say, let me on your bus, I think we need to start... And I think that's part of the problem, and this goes into what, like, not to deviate, this goes to a deeper conversation of self-love and self-worth and self-evaluating yourself. That, that's um, an episode for two weeks, actually. Tell, uh, <laughs> so something that Barbara always says is that go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. Mm. And I think that's really important. Like, we need to start celebrating each other. But, mm-hmm. you know, 
as a as a race, as a group, we have been so disenfranchised um, mm. for so long that it's it, we're really recent. You know, we've only just gotten the civil rights movement like what it was the sixty years, forty years ago. It was nineteen sixty. So we have to think of sixty years 60 ago. Sixty years ago. Mm-hmm. Sixty years ago. So it's like we have to think about that. In a way, we're still in our infancy mm. as far as a, a cultural group. Right. And so we're 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 still growing. We're still building. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's true. <sighs> Let's start having our own thing. You know, I feel like um, we always want to say, oh, accept me, accept me, accept mm-hmm. me. Like, no, let's come up with our own systems in place. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Of course, we know that it's not going to be easy. But it's so many things that we have to do as well. So we don't always have to look for someone to accept us. We need to start building our own stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. And they used to do it. Like, Black Wall Street, they had Black Wall Street. They do? Um, before, they did. They, they burned things up. They burned things down. But before segregation, oh the God. quality of education for African-American students was better because we were teaching ourselves. Mm. It wasn't diluted. So we were teaching our own history. And, you know, so I just think that um, it's like Barbara's saying, it's really important to, like, accept ourselves. Mm. Accept ourselves and help ourselves, support ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. shout out to the journey you know keep doing what you're doing amen amen quick question before we we, we wrap up because this show this show is a very short show it actually wasn't but we thank god this show is supposed to be a very short show but have you guys ever experienced racism oh <laughs> We got six minutes, boo. Share your story. <laughs> that is funny. So me, so me personally, I not like blatantly in my face. I have never mm-hmm. experienced racism mm. in my face, so I can't say that. But I still know it's like certain things that I notice people do that I'm like, oh, you're being a racist. But I have never actually. Maybe because I'm not around a lot of white people, mm-hmm. and if that's being honest, I'm not around. And I think it goes back to the point that I tried to make earlier with you, Kevin. I don't, and it's really so sad to say that I don't feel comfortable in an all-white neighborhood. Like I would never want to buy a house in an all-white neighborhood because mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable. Like God forbid, my car was to ever stop in an all-white neighborhood, I'm super anxious. Mm. But well, wait, I mean, this is not to say though this this disclaimer. Sorry, Barbara, but like you know, I do. We do have an audience. We have an, listeners that are Caucasian, and I do believe that not all Caucasians feel this way because I do believe that racism is is taught. I th- I feel like racism is taught. Oh, someone's saying no. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. You're going. No, I do believe that, um, I do believe racism is taught because you know the reason why I saw a video of this baby, it was a white baby with her white mom and some Indian lady was holding the baby. So when she gave the baby back to her mom, the baby started crying to go back to the Indian lady. So, and the person who was sharing the video was saying that Wow, look at the kids. Babies don't see color. Babies don't see creed. They don't see race. They don't see sexual orientation. They don't see all of that. 
But when they grow up, they're taught to they're taught that oh, black people are dangerous. Stay away from them, or black people are this, or Indian people are that. So that's what I'm saying. That not I feel like disclaimer. I not all Caucasians are, you know. But go ahead, Barbara. I'm sorry. Oh no, I knew that. <laughs> This is, this is the journey. This is my journey. And it's, yeah, it's real. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable. Like, right. I'm not saying that um, all white people are bad. Of course not. I'm very ignorant to say that because I don't know every white person. Mm-hmm. So I can never say that. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying for me personally, mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable. If God should be in my car, was to ever stop? Because I'm scared of who's, who might, what cop might pull me over? Mm. And what cop might say, let me see your license. If I'm going to get it, what cop might say, oh, baby, she had a gun and shoot me. Right. I feel more crazy comfortable in my interesting neighborhood, like you put it. With my program, I know and this is and this is this is real. I'm sorry. But this is real. I feel more comfortable in my interesting neighborhood because I see someone the same skin colors. Not saying that, you know, they they're not rotten cops out there. They're not we have bad black cops and we have bad white cops. But for me personally, Mm-hmm. And I can only speak for me. I don't feel comfortable. Mm. And I have every reason not to feel comfortable because of everything that I've seen. That like you can literally watch a video of a man killing someone and they will still tell you they don't have enough evidence to charge him. No, no I don't feel comfortable. Wow. At all. Wow. Yeah, that, I think that's facts, though. I think that's fair. It's a fair statement. It's a fair thing. It's a, I mean, you can't. It's your opinion anyway, so mm-hmm. I can't judge it whether it's fair or not. But I think what she's saying is true because I know that um, I grew up in Woodbridge, or I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, and then I moved to a predominantly black or minority neighborhood, and I don't get stopped as much. Mm. You know, that's just a fact. It's not, um, it's not an opinion. That's just a, a literal fact. That I don't get stopped as much by the cops. And, you know, it's my presence isn't an uh, anomaly. Mm. So that's really important. And, you know, as far as you said that I ever experienced racism, yes, I have. You know, I grew up, um, I was raised by a white man. I dated a white man. But beyond that, I used to nanny. I remember I used to nanny for a kid, one of my first nanny jobs. The kid literally stood up on the table. Um, he got butt naked and he started screaming the N-word at me. And this kid was nine. I remember I was working. I quick check. I was taking out the garbage. Somebody uh, drove by in their car, threw something at me, and screamed the N word at me. But beyond the explicit racism, there's also implicit prejudice, right? Mm-hmm. So growing mm-hmm. up, people would say, "Oh, you, 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 you speak so well. Mm. Oh, you're so articulate." And it's like that. Also bias. That's also prejudice because your expectation was a black person. Yes. Yeah, but who said? How are how you don't have a right to define my blackness mm. because I was born black and you can't tell me how to be black. Mm. I will be black today. I was black yesterday and I'll be black tomorrow. So it's like there's a lot of implicit racism and that's how we end up code switching a lot. Right. Um, code switching is basically when you get into a certain, around a group, certain group of people, you start switching the way you talk. So you switch to Canada, mm. you know, maybe you start using slang because you're around more black people mm-hmm. or maybe you add an accent because you're around African people or maybe you talk like this because you're around white people. Mm-hmm. And we have to do that so that we can keep up because we're not accepted as our own true form. 
Right. And so there's racism everywhere, and we face it every day, but a lot of times we, there's a lot of microaggressions that we don't realize. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of microaggressions when somebody tells you, you speak so well, that's not a compliment. It's like telling me I'm beautiful for a, a, a dark woman. Hmm. I'm beautiful here too. Right. Yeah. You tell me I'm I'm here, I'm beautiful, period. Amen. Okay, anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was saying that the thing was about to cut off, so hold on. But yeah, you're right. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's okay. so much for your short show. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but you know, thank God because now you know we have content, but it's just <laughs> you know, but it's it's crazy. I feel like you know, the funny thing, maybe for me as well, in the sense that the, the only thing that I got was the whole African booty scratcher thing in, in, in grade school. But that was actually by the Black people themselves, too. So it's not just racism from a different race to us. Sometimes it happens within our own community because there's Africans, there's African Americans, there's Jamaicans, you know, there's stuff like that. We we are we are diverse even in our very small minority, you know, but like that's the only thing I ever really experienced. But then for me too, I remember always being anxious when I saw a white person. You know, if we're at church and a white person comes, I was always staring at the person like, what the hell are you doing here? Like <laughs> what you just said I remember that when I was in eighth grade you know us and our petty crushes there was this boy that I really liked he was Italian and his name was Luigi he was so so cute so cute <laughs> and I think he he realized that I, I had a crush and he was like uh I don't date black girls so yeah so since then like every even now if someone were to ask me will you be with a white person I'm like mm-mm I think because that kind of crippled me. It's like, okay, so what is so bad about black girls? So even now when I see an interracial relationship, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. You know? Like, it's not normal for me. Yeah. Because of that. <laughs> so I, I'm not that. I, I think it's beautiful. Love is love. Yes. But it's just, I guess, after being in, you kind of know a lot of the things you have to face when you're mm. in it. For me today, I don't think that's my portion, but you know, my strength for those who it is. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I just feel like a lot of people always associate something that's bad to black people, right? Mm. So we can talk, you know, you spoke about like, you know, racism, racism being in our own communities, if it's from, you know, somebody saying you're too dark or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was having a conversation with someone, she was white. And her daughter pretty much cursed her out. Cursed her out. So when after her daughter cursed her out, I asked her, um, do you do you give her whoopings? She was like, Oh no, I don't do that, but my black friends do though. Mm. Right. 
But no, this person would tell you, oh, no, I'm not a racist. I have black friends. But that statement that you just made was a very racist comment because you're telling mm. me that you don't whoop your kids. Oh, we just, I, you know, she has a lot of issues. I'll take her to therapy. But, but your black friends whoop their kids. So that makes you, but your daughter just cursed you out. So I guess well, I'm whooping my kid because I don't want my daughter to curse me. Exactly. Out. You understand what I mean? So I feel like I think Leonie mentioned to, to the point. It's like very subtle. Like it's very little small, small things that people would say. Oh, I'm not a racist. I have black friends. Um, my 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 my, my coworker is black. Well, this is just it does not mean anything. And yeah, we say all lives matter. We we know that. But white people are not being hunted every single day. So when we say black lives ma- matter, let, let us have that. We Yes, we know all lives matter. We know that. We <laughs> so know. Let, let us have that. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. When it's uh, breast cancer awareness month, we don't sit there and say, oh, oh. There's other types of cancers. Let's cancer. Like, we know that's important, too. We get it. But mm. we're saying that trying to bring awareness to this very serious issue mm-hmm. so you don't have to remind us that all lives matter we're not saying that we're better than you we're asking for equity not equality there's a difference between equity and equality right, we right. need to be equitable as a human race not just equal because we are already behind mm-hmm. it's true so question another question before we wrap up so leonie you're a teacher and barbara you have a daughter and, you know, I know one day, if God wills it, Jesus tarries, we'll get married, we'll have children, and our children will be Black children, obviously. So what are some things that you would tell your kids as they're growing up to kind of have them stay safe in this really, 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 really bad society? Oh, God. You know, like for me, my nephew... My sister's son, let me be specific, um, Kofi, my sister's son. <laughs> the other day I was sitting here with my sister and my brother and I was telling, we're talking about this whole thing. And I was like, you know, I am I hope that he stays in Ghana because I don't want him to come here right now. And him coming here, he, he, he already has that yo-yo personality. He's very... Like he doesn't sag, but he acts like that. He his hand is always on his crotch. He does this. His eyes are squinty. You know stuff like that. And I told, I said, I said it just like that, and they laughed. But I was like, no, like these are the kind of people that are targeted. It's just, it's just his personality. But people as, associate that to them being robbers or killers or whatever, and then they target them and then they murder them. So I was afraid. I'm always afraid for for my little nephews. My my nephews that are growing up in this society because I don't want them to be targeted. So as future moms, Barbara's already a mom, but as future moms of black boys or black girls, what would you tell your children to kind of prepare them for this world that we live in? Oh, Nene, you want to go first? <laughs> no, my next first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Karen. Um, that's a very good question that you asked, but I feel like this question is making me so emotional because it's like, what can you possibly tell them that they're not doing? Like you have a, a black mother tell you when you're, oh my God, when you get pulled over, be compliant. 
you know, show your ID. You do all these things and you still get shot. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what, what can I personally, what me personally, I'm going to just tell my daughter, my son, when they pull you over, be compliant. But being compliant doesn't even mean that you're, you're not going to die. Mm-hmm. Not resisting doesn't mean that you're not going to die. And I know that we are believers, we are Christians. So honestly, I'm just going to pray for them. Because I feel like anything that I would tell them, they can do everything that I would tell them to a T and still die. Floyd wasn't resistant. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was not resistant at all. And he still died. So like as the mom, what as the as the as the mom of black kid, like what do you really tell them? They're following everything that you're telling them, yet they're still dying. So I don't have an answer. I don't. Hmm. I really don't. I think oh, it's heavy. It's really heavy. I it think is heavy. All that came to mind when you asked the question was that our allegiance is, our allegiance is to God first. Mm-hmm. We are all African here. I mean, the three of us are all black. We're even all women. We're all millennials. But our allegiance, our allegiance is first to God. Right. And our hope is in him. And hoping God doesn't disappoint ever. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that bad things won't happen, but that's to say that the God that we serve is still the same God. Yes. Um, and I think that for me, I think beyond just acting in wisdom, like Barbara said, you can do everything right and still get shot. That's just the reality of the world that we live in today. So instead of living in fear, I don't believe that it's good for anyone to walk around in fear. I think I would try to teach them to walk in faith. Mm. To walk in faith. Every day when you walk outside, just walk in faith. Someone's going to try you. You're going to experience racism. You may not get the job. Some of you may call you agency, but walk in faith. Amen. Amen. What would you, what would you um, tell your kids? Honestly, I think it's a combination of what both of you said. Because you can tell your kids to dress well. You know, don't sag your jeans or don't wear weird clothing and when you get stopped by by the police have a smile on your face put your hands on the stereo wheel tell them that okay now I'm reaching for my license and my registration you know do all of that but people still get shot people still do get killed even after complying so I think like I said it's a combination of the both of you I would just train up my child in the way he should go in the sense that the light of God to radiate through that child, that even when they're in a storm, even when they're in a violent um, moment or in a violent altercation, they would be that peace, you know, in, in, in that storm. So I think just raising them to be good people and then teaching them that this is this is real. This is what happens in our society. So do the best you can to prevent it, even though it might not be preventable, but do your best so that you're blameless in whatever situation that that pops up because Barbara was saying earlier, I don't know if she said it while we were recording that it's like something will happen to let's say a black person and then they will go through their record to go look to see what they did before. So it's like, Oh, this person stole something five years ago. That has nothing to do with what just happened today. You know? So like just having my, my, my kid be someone that is not, Blamed when something like this sort happens to them, I think. I think that's. Okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's enough to, uh, 
I know you're going to go, but I'm just thinking. But if it's all, there's so many mistakes that we've made in the past, mm-hmm. right? So God forbid that, you know, someone does something, it still doesn't give you a license to kill them. Of course not. You understand what I mean? So me doing something maybe 10 years ago, and you killing me, you you digging up a gold records of me, it still doesn't give you the, the right to kill me. Mm-hmm. Like nobody, like who can really be blended? Like we all make mistakes. Of course, of course. That don't give you a license to kill them. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think you, know, you, you don't have to, um, there was like this whole big movement back in the 80s. Like you don't have to assimilate to be great. You don't have to. Um, you, don't have to you don't have to assimilate, assimilate. to be great. Okay. So I know, like, there's, there's a lot of, like, whitewashing of, like, different cultures. And a lot of people feel that way that I have to, you know, dress a certain way and talk a different way and kind of um, minimize my culture or denounce my cultural background in order to be safe or accepted. But I think it's important that we walk proudly in who we are, um, irrespective of what we've done in the past, because Christ has forgiven us. Amen. He has forgiven us. So if, even if I did this something and I got arrested, that would be like Bible said, Bible said, give you a license to kill me. Mm-hmm. But it does give me the right to defend myself respectfully and peacefully mm-hmm. as a child of God. Amen. Amen. Any additional thoughts before we conclude? Just pray more. Yeah. It's like, I'm so angry, and it's just like, I always be asking God, like, why? But it's just like, I've learned not to even question him. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? So I've, every day when I get up, I just have to pray and just be like, um, just take take the will. Right. Take the will. Because at this point, what can I possibly do? It's nothing that I could do. Jesus just got to take the will. Jesus, coming on to the journey virtually <laughs> um, to, to, you know, just 
share your opinion, your perspective, and also bring light to this this topic because I think it was needed. And I do thank God that although we didn't pray before we began, that he was here and he spoke Amen. to each of us. <laughs> well, let's pray now. Why, why don't we pray now? Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray for the nation now. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, sure. so Barbara's the one who's angry. She got to pray. Oh, no, I'm good. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, so you gotta pray it out, boo. Amen. Let's just pray. Let's pray for the nation. Let's pray for the world. Okay. Lift up our brothers. Lift up our sisters. Yeah. In prayer, Heavenly Father God, we come before you, Lord, Mm -hmm. and we just lift up your nation, Father God. There is no pain on earth, Father God, that you cannot heal, or Lord, Father God. We bring forth the hearts of the brokenhearted, Father God. Anybody who was angry, anybody who was in pain. We bring forth the family, Father God, of all who have lost their lives to police brutality, O Lord, Father God. And we pray, Father God, that you will be their comforter and their healer and their guide, O Lord, Father God. We just give this world into your hands, O Lord, Father God. And we say, your will be done, O Lord, Father God. Help us, Father God, to accept the things that we do not understand, Father God, the things that we can't change, Father God. And help us, Father God, just to walk in love and faith and grace, O Lord, Father God. We thank you, O Lord, Father God, for loving us despite of our sins, even mm-hmm. though we need mistakes, oh Lord. We thank you. We bless you, oh Lord, Father God. We lift up our sister Karen, Father God. We pray that you will multiply the dirty, oh Lord, Father God. Mm-hmm. And just cover everyone, Father God, in your righteous blood of Christ, Father God. We pray, Father God, if there's anybody right now at the sign of our voice, Father God, who's listening, Father God, who does not know you, Father God, at the sign of our voice, Father God, may you enter into their hearts, Father God, and they accept you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, oh Lord, Father God. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray, oh Lord, Father God. Amen. 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 God bless you, sisters. And I'm glad that I have you both in my life and in my corner. Amen. So say bye bye to the journey, listeners. Bye bye to the journey. (laughs) Bye, ladies. (laughs) So as you all heard, this is their their take on everything that is going on. And I totally stand by a hundred percent. Everything that is going on is not is not ideal. It's not the ideal world we want to live in. However, this is real, and this is what we're facing in our societies and in our nation and across the the world. We we see, as they said, that I didn't know systematic racism going on. So as I think what Leone said is it. Just let's just be gracious to one another. Let's just love one another. The Bible tells us that love your neighbor as yourself. And as Barbara also said, yeah, it can be painful to do that, especially when the person you're trying to love hates you. But I think let's just let's just continue to ask God to heal our nation and heal our hearts from all the hurt and all the pain that we're suffering. Amen. Also, before we end, I just want to read a tweet that I saw from Ruth Obazi, and it, it reads as such. It says, as Christians, we need to understand that it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to sin. It's okay to protest, but it's not okay to take revenge into your own hands. It's okay to speak inequality, but it's not okay to take the law into your own hands. We Christians are called the light of the world. So this is the time to show others the proper way of protesting about these issues and not showing violence. But we should not be silent. Silence equates to being 
ignorant. So I just wanted to share that, and I hope that that speaks for itself. Amen? It's it's really funny because... It's not funny, but it's, it's really crazy how COVID-19 really shut things down, then this happened, and every, everybody in the world is talking about this, and everybody is going out. Nobody's social distancing or nobody's socially distant anymore because everybody wants to fight and let their voice be heard. But, you know, we still have to comply with the, the rules of the nation. We still got to be safe, although we are protesting peacefully, although some of us are out there fighting or letting our voices be heard, we still have to be compliant and, and be safe out there because the virus is still rampant. It hasn't gone down yet. It's still rampant. So please stay safe and stay home. And once again, we have the journey. We haven't done this in a while, but we want to applaud and salute our frontline healthcare workers, the nurses, the doctors, the LPNs, the RNs, the, the social workers, not just in the hospitals, but the police force, believe it or not, <laughs> the police force, the firefighters, all first responders, pretty much, the retail workers, those who work at Walmart, Quick Check, Walmart. McDonald's, all of them. We thank you all for your service. And I just want to shout out a couple of my sisters who are um, frontline workers. Um, I want to shout out Funke. I want to shout out Ashley, my sister, Nanama, everybody that I know, Sister Tina, um, both my sister Tina's, <laughs> Sister Tina in, in Rhode Island, who works as a surgical textile, works every day. Sister Tina, who works in a group home, Presidio, my Presidio, Eunice, Susie, Lucy, all of you guys that work in these healthcare facilities. Those of us too that are working from home, me, Lucy, and some of the rest of us, you know, also we, we applaud you all too because things are still um, running and if not for the workers, it, it, will, it will shut down. So we um, we pray that God will bless you all and may um, he continue to strengthen you. And we pray that because you're sacrificing your needs to care for others, we ask God to protect you. Thank you so much for listening to The Journey with Karen Sion. If you like our show and want to know more, please check out our Instagram page at the journey underscore podcast. Also like our Facebook page, The Journey Podcast with Karen Sion. And please leave us a review on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Join us next week when we share June's salvation story with Khadija Tumansaray. We were supposed to have a salvation story for May, but because it was Mental Health Awareness Month, I believe that Deacon Sam's story kind of substituted for the salvation story because we do see God's salvation in it. We did see God's salvation in his story. So stay tuned for Katie's salvation story. Also, we announced this last week. I will announce it. I'll continue to announce it. This is episode 20, and there are 25 episodes in season one of The Journey, meaning that there are five episodes left for the journey season one. The journey podcast will be taking a short hiatus for us to regroup, revamp, and come back next season. We will share the date of next the next season premiere. We'll share the date as soon as it comes out. And we just are very, very open with each other because the journey is a family. We are real and it's our journey. We're taking this journey of life together. So these upcoming five episodes, I'm really excited for because I do believe that God has messages that he does want to share with his people through us at the journey. Amen. So remember, the fastest runner doesn't always win the race. 
The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. Those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by God through times and seasons. I love you all. God bless you all. Please, guys, stay safe. If you will protest, do it peacefully. Wear the proper PPE. Don't just be safe, guys, because we love you all so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. This is called a journey, yeah.